to Alphabet Flight Encyclopedic Marvel Journey, where I go through the official handbook of the Marvel Universe with the guests. We talk about all the characters we know and love and have forgotten as well. My name is Jesse Cooper, and with me today is David. Hi, I'm David Gallagher. I'm the author of Dark Star and the Winter Guard for Marvel, uh, Green Lantern Core Convergence for DC Comics, as well as a host of other books and video games, including Ubisoft's A Ghost Recon. And the only living girl currently from Paper Cuts. Yes. So uh, we are going to be talking about someone who I th- got, thought got shafted. Just, I'm just going to be honest. Uh, Batroc's Brigade. But, of course, the, the, the namesake of it, Batroc the Liber. So, Batroc so. the Liber. And I think it's interesting that you think he got shafted because um, I will say this. He is one of uh, Marvel's oldest, most enduring characters, having debuted, um, God, all the way, almost, oh, what? Yeah, first appeared in Tales of Suspense, issue number 75, in March uh, 1966. The Fury of the Freak slash 30 Minutes to Live. And this was before, this was an Iron Man and Captain America before they got spinned off in their own books. Yeah, and it's it's fascinating because this is a character who uh, has appeared in uh, not just the cartoons, but was a preeminent character uh, in um, Captain America: The Winter Soldier. Yeah, it's it's just like I feel like I feel like he should have gotten his own entry, but he just didn't. At the time, I think that people just thought he was funny because he just leaped around. But what they, a lot of writers and I think fans didn't understand was that, um, Batrock is, you know, an expert in savant, savant, which is like a French form of, of kickboxing. So, you know, he does just so much work. And when you, you think about how amazingly powerful those legs are, I mean, this is, this is a character who, um, it's basically a modern version of an MMA fighter, you know, and, and that's that's pretty powerful when you think about it. Well, yeah, and it's just it's people just don't, didn't didn't take him seriously. He should have gotten his own should have gotten his own uh, entry. But we're we're talking about him finally in Batroc's Brigade. So let's get let's talk about Batroc real quick. So um, his real name is uh, George or is it Jorge or George? Yeah. Jorge Batroc, um, of course, he is a mercenary. He's a French citizen. His other alias is uh, Dalibert, um, and he was born in Marseille, France. Uh, where, and he was a member of the French Foreign Legion and uh, left uh, after, after he left the French Foreign Legion to become a mercenary. Um, and he got the name the Leaper because he was, yeah, as I had mentioned before, an expert in uh, French form of kickboxing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so he's single. So if you want, if you want, if you want to, you know, tickle, have that mustache tickle you. It's it's a pretty good mustache. He has a the the silly pencil thin, but also extremely long handlebar. A mustache. Yeah, a mustache. Y- uh, uh, uh. Yes. Yes, if yeah, that's what yeah. you want. But it, it's interesting because he has like this near, even though he's not, doesn't have superpowers, he has like this 
intense physical conditioning. Like it's nearly superhuman where he has pushed his body and his own limits to the pinnacle of, of human perfection. So he's got, uh, you know, he's got, he's one of the best leapers. He's got a uh, unique ability to sort of jump with Olympic level prowess. He has peak human strength, peak human agility. He's a master martial artist, a thief. And as a mercenary, he's totally proficient with weapons. So, I mean, this is a guy who could probably lift, you know, between 500 and 600 pounds. And while he might not be able to, to, to pin Captain America, he could definitely hold him off for a bit. Yeah. And which is why he's one of, which is why he's one of, you know, Cap's, I think more interesting villains, but that's me. Uh, I have a soft spot for Batroc. Mostly because he does look silly, but like he carries it with so much panache. Um, yeah. So he's he's six foot tall, weighs two hundred and twenty five pounds, a brown eyes, black hair, and um, no superhuman powers or anything. But he's he's like that peak. He's that uh, every other human that doesn't have powers. Um, peak human, like capability. Yeah, or, or or if they don't have peak human, they're Olympic level, and then you have like the five people who aren't masters of martial arts or Olympic level. Like like the amount of time I see like Olympic level athlete on something, I'm just like, why aren't they at the Olympics then? So yeah, let's talk about some of his stories because I do think that he is the most interesting out of these out of the people we're going to be talking about today. You know, when he first got, when he first debuted, um, you know, obviously he had a lot of really cool superpowers and he was hired by the them to steal this, this, uh, basically this superpower cylinder called the Inferno 42. Um, and he had formed a, um, he had formed his initial, uh, Batrocks brigade with, um, yeah, Living Laser and someone else. Uh, Living Laser. Swordsman, yeah. And also uh, was brought back to life by Cosmic Space Jesus to marry Mantis so they could have the celestial baby that... Uh, I uh, yeah, yeah. don't like that storyline. <laughs> yeah, but then later he was hired by... Uh, later then he was hired by... Baron von Strucker to form a new Bandrox Brigade, which had Porcupine and Whirlwind. So here you've got a guy who can shoot quills, another guy who can turn his body into wind, and then another guy who's just really good with... Oh, one episode I'm looking forward to in the Book of the Dead is the Porcupine one. I'm looking so forward to it so much. Porcupine is a, is a weird character. So, yeah, so what was really interesting is, you know, you see... Um, you know, these characters, you know, he had Porcupine and Whirlwind as previous allies, along with the Swordsman and the Living Laser. Um, but when his third Batrox Brigade formed, um, you know, that's really where we start to see him sort of become, sort of come into his own. Yeah, yeah. You know, so and that to me is that to me is really fascinating is is watching him, you know, like come into his own. 
Um, he had worked with Obadiah Stane um, and to steal Captain America's shield. Um, and then he had worked with basically Zaron uh, or Zaron um, and Machete. And both are like super, super um, badass um, weapons masters. So um, it became a really great opportunity. I think that was in Captain America 302. Really became a great opportunity to show Batroc's ability to become a leader, but also really sort of bring a um, a really interesting new, uh, really interesting new characters into the fold. You know, I think Zeron and Machete are um, just incredibly ominous when teamed with um, Batroc. Um, and as that team, they didn't just battle Captain America, you know, in the early 300s. They later teamed up with Baron Zemo for the Bloodstone quest, uh, which was a storyline that ran through Captain America <clears throat> in the late, uh, we're saying the late 80s. So can you describe the Bloodstone quest? Because uh, Captain America in general is a blind spot for me. Okay. Sure. So, so, so the Bloodstone, I think it was the Bloodstone Saga? Because you said that was before Cap, Wolf Cap, which I'm pretty sure the reason why he was um, Wolf Cap was because he had pieces of the Bloodstone put in him? No? Oh, no, different stone. Different stone. This is actually called the Bloodstone Hunt. And oh, in it, oh. um, Baron Zemo, formerly of the Masters of Evil, but before he became a member of the Thunderbolts, was obsessed with raising his father um, back from the dead. He realized that there was a character called Ulysses Bloodstone, who was yep. a mortal. Yep. He realized that by finding the Bloodstone, he could then bring his dad back to life and this sort of like, um, you know, resurrect his father and, and create a new world order. I mean, I mean that makes a lot of sense. You know, you get the, you take the thing out of the immortal guy, put it in your dead father. Bingo, bango, new world order. It's a really interesting story because it's a very Indiana Jonesy kind of adventure. It's written by Mark Grunwald. It's uh, illustrated by Kieran Dwyer. Um, I think it's from Captain America three fifty seven through like three sixty four. So it's right after all the fun stuff with the U.S. agent, or not the U.S. agent at the time, but uh, all the cool stuff with John Walker and, and um, you know, Captain America No More stuff. That was a great storyline. And this was kind of a return to that more Golden Age, Silver Age, Rocketeer, Indiana Jones, Republic serial kind of storytelling. So it was, it was really nice. It was an uh, introduction to the storyline. Also was an introduction to Crossbones. Oh, they have a very a classic, uh, classic foil to Captain America, at least nowadays. Anyway, yeah, one of like, I mean, I guess it makes sense that a lot of Captain America's uh, villains would either be mercenaries or Nazis. So I guess it makes sense. But, but yeah, um, so, so people who so, don't mind being Nazis for the right amount of money, yeah. Which is apparently a lot of people. Apparently so, a lot of so, people. Yeah. Uh, so, so that is the, the basic gist of uh, Jorge Batroc. 
Yeah. Uh, so one thing I do want to bring up that one that I think people should read, and I need to get the actual year and stuff. But uh, but at one point, uh, he was a uh, Batroc was pretty much the leader of a gang of mercenaries that included Batroc, uh, the Black Knight, Radioactive Man, and the Rhino. Uh, while Claw, because Claw wanted to lay siege to Wakanda, and it it was a lot of it was a lot of really fun stuff. Uh, cause like it ended up with like, um, Ross, Everett Ross, like, like basically sneaking in a bunch of like Deathlocks and stuff to fight them and all that stuff. It's, it was really good. It was. If you read anything, if you read anything from that run, I would definitely read the five issue run. That, that started that uh, started Black Panther by Reggie Hudland with art by um John Romita Jr. And it came out around June two thousand five. And it had you're right, the Bat Batrick's Brigade at the time was Batrick the Leaper, Claw, Radioactive Man, and Rhino. Which is a really interesting team, if you think about it. Which uh, so like it makes sense. So like, so for me anyway, if I'm just looking at it through the guise of history, so you have Claw, Black Knight, and Batroc. That makes a lot of sense. Well, actually, also Radioactive Man, because all three have like very heavily. Uh, all three have a lot of uh, heavily resource-based colonialism in their history. Uh, and I guess so does. But, like, Rhino doesn't make a lot of sense to me besides the theming that they're in on the continent of Africa. The storylines dealt a lot with poaching and that kind of stuff. So I think it, it may, created a, a sense of, um, it created a really good thematic sense of those storylines. Yeah, it's just like, it, like if, if you're looking at it through, like, the idea of colonialism and resource, stealing resources from the African continent... Most of those make a lot of sense if you're looking at it through that lens. But then Rhino is in there for, like, for, I guess, like, visual theming. Because, like, Rhino's pretty much just, like, a working, it's kind of like a work-a-day Joe type of type person from from New York. I, I, that's mostly just my, that's mostly just why I think it's a little weird. Because, like, to see him outside of the U.S. is always a little weird, honestly. I, I always think of him as, like, he's in, he's in like, he's in New York most of the time and it's just kind of weird to see him in a completely different continent but but yeah he it, but it's really fun i would definitely read that run it, it was it was really fun so let's get to the next person uh zaran zaran uh so his name is maximilian maximilian zaran uh a mercenary he's a mercenary and assassin citizen of uh great britain with a criminal record no one knows his ability. I mean, I mean identity. Yeah, but he's uh, also been known as the Weapon Master or the Supreme Hunter as his alii, aliases, aliases. Yeah, yeah. And uh, apparently place of birth was just left out of this. Like they did put it in at all. So I'm going to say unknown. Uh, he's also single. And he first appeared in Master of Kung Fu, issue number 77. Oh, yeah, and that was called Weapons. 
and that came out in June 1979. He's been around for a while, and uh, Shang-Chi is one of those characters that I think is going to be on the rise pretty soon, because they're, they're going to be putting out a uh, movie about him, and they've been kind of pushing him in the Domino comic. Right, Well, and he well, has a Marvel Legends figure coming out. Yeah, so he's he's on the rise. Um, he has a very unfortunate backstory that I hope they kind of sanitize a little bit. I think his uh, backstory uh, in and of itself is fine. I think it's his. Um, I think it's his father whose backstory is a little problematic. Yeah, yeah. Let's say that his father's backstory is very problematic. But yeah, he is. Uh, but yeah, it's so. Yeah, his look is pretty much he. He's wearing pants. And he has like a cowl, but no shirt, which is a very uh, Shang Chi uh, background that's problematic. Yeah, uh, that's who yeah. we're talking about. But yeah, he's uh, yeah he he wears sort of a cowl, and he's a weapons master, so he wants that freedom that not wearing a shirt provides. You know, you don't want a shirt to get in your way of your cool badass martial arts abilities. Yeah, but you want to have most of your face covered and your peripheral vision. Uh blocked so you know yeah obfuscating peripheral vision but especially there um he at least is wearing an armored couch shang chi is not wearing a shirt at all i can forgive shang chi he's supposed to be like a you know like a a weapon he's supposed to be a master kung fu you know he doesn't need those weapons or that armor but but yeah so um so yeah so uh zaran was a agent of MI6 and defected to the employ of Fa Lu Su, the daughter of Fu Manchu. Uh, spurned, uh, spurned by her, he then became a mercenary. Uh, wow. And he's, wow. since that time, he's sought out so many different assignments. So he's obviously fought Shang-Chi. He was a member of Badrock's Brigade. He had teamed up with Razor Fist and Shockwave to affect to attack the uh, the West Coast Avengers. Uh, even worked with Trick Shot to fight Hawkeye. So he's got a a really deep, rich rogues gallery. Like he hasn't shown up in a lot of stuff recently. Um, I think the last major thing he's done was he was part of the Thunderbolts during the Civil War. Which he was again working with Batroc, then Riplash, Bushmaster, Cobra, and Tatterdemalion or Tatterdemalion. Uh, and that's pretty much it. Like he he does he does a lot of weapons. So put a weapon in his hand, he's a master of it. So so yeah. Um, as they put here, ancient and modern weapons, including knives, bows, staffs, maces. Spears, nunchaku, shurikens, and guns. Just incredibly talented as a as a character, you know. And what's fascinating is that he wears these, you know, obviously we talked about his cowl, but his cowl's got this studded, it's almost like this studded uh, collar piece. So he's got size there that he can just whip out. Um, you know, he's he has a, just an incredibly badass look to him. Like, if I were to see him, I would, I would, I mean, his name is very similar to Zartan from G.I. Joe. Uh, Obviously, uh, Zaran came first. But he's got that that quality, that kind of like, I don't care. Attack me. 
kind of quality to him. Like I'm, I'm actually scared of when I look at him, I'm actually scared. Yeah. He looks like he'll definitely stab you in various ways. (laughs) So, so yeah. uh, So next person we're talking about is machete. And no, we are not talking about Danny Trejo. They could very well be Danny. You could have a machete movie based on it. You could have machete in the Marvel universe. A cast Danny Trejo. But yeah, he so his real name is Fernand uh, Ferdinand Lopez. Uh there are three machetes. Okay. We have one obviously, Danny Trejo. So there's Alfonso Lopez, there's Mariano Lopez, and there's Ferdinand Lopez. Okay. So he is a is the one that appears first. So uh he is a former revolutionary now a uh, mercenary, uh, was a citizen of San Diablo with no criminal record, secret identity, uh, marital status is unknown. So maybe you can get with this dude. Uh, it's uh, known relatives is none, but apparently that is not true at this, after this point. Uh, first appeared in Captain America number 302, uh, which is the uh, issue that the new brigade showed up. Um, uh, so, yeah, he was a revolutionary in the tiny South American Republic of San Diablo, which decided to become a merc- and decided to become a mercenary to help finance the revolution. Right. And- he's 6'2", 200 pounds. He's got black uh, blue eyes and black hair, and he's got a normal athletic strength level. Yeah, and he's like really good at throwing, throwing knives and blades, and also has a three foot machete and a lot of little tiny throwing knives, which I like. I like that a lot. He's just like, look at my machete. Guess what? You're also stabbed because I threw a knife at you. <laughs> and w- what's interesting is that. Um, What's interesting is that his de- so he's dead uh, in the comics, and his death was handled off screen, um, but it wasn't communicated to the other. I don't know what happened, but I think that there was just a mix up in in editorial. But he, you know, he died in Captain America. I think it was three forty uh, four forty two. So he shows up, and then later in nineteen ninety five, dies off screen. Um, so when they need Machete again, they actually uh, say that the new Machete is his brother. Oh, okay. And the new Machete shows up in Electra 7 and apparently dies in the second volume of U.S. Agent. And then a third brother, Mariano Lopez, becomes the new Machete. He looks a lot more like Danny Trejo, and he shows up in uh, Great Lakes Avengers number two in 2005. So this is a history of people uh, with really, really good machete skills. I guess if, you know, if you're going to be a revolutionary, a machete would be good to be a master at. It's interesting, too, because uh, we didn't mention it previously, but Batroc, Zeron, and Machete all show up in a Captain America video game called Captain America and Spider-Man in Doctor Doom's Revenge. Oh. Oh. Okay. Um, okay. And uh, 
it's interesting because the not only do they appear in the game, they also appear in the exclusive comic that lays out the backstory for the game. So it's it's kind of very fascinating um, game that came out in 1989. And the standard like uh, works for your like your Amstrad, your Atari SD, your Commodore 64, or DOS. But it had this very um, you know playable like uh, you could attack these characters in a video game, and I think that's the first video game appearance of Batroc and his brigade, along with you know Machete and Zeron. Oh yeah, yeah, they were part of the the new brigade that was that was there to basically make sure that Captain America wouldn't get in the way. So, so, it's, it's, a, so. it's kind of a fascinating little group, a ragtag group, and what I like is that they're all you've got somebody who is really good at one thing. Machete's like well, really good at machetes. Now, Zeron's more like the generalist. He's good at every weapon. And Batroc's really good at unarmed combat. So it's a really nice mix of characters. You've got somebody who's really good at the stabbing and the slashing. Somebody who's kind of good at everything. Long distance weapons, throwing size, whatever. Like a generalist. And then you've got somebody who's like, you know what, I don't need weapons to take you down. And that's a really nice mix. And I know they get mocked a lot. But like I, as a normal human being, if I saw these guys wearing their... The purple costumes and the green leotards and the kind of crazy um, katana wielding things. I would be I would be terrified. That's a lot of dudes to oh. to be like really really badass. And maybe they don't stand a chance against Captain America. But if I were like Nomad or I were like Union Jack, I might be a little terrified. Oh yeah, it definitely would be. Like, living in the Marvel Universe would be terrifying if you didn't have powers. Because, yeah, like, I would, basically, I would just always be wearing experimental suits, hoping to be shocked by something, or standing close to labs, hoping that I would get some power so I wouldn't automatically be cannon fodder. Right, man. I would just sleep with grenades under my pillow every night. I would definitely wear a suit. Like, I would do the Spider-Man route. Wear a suit that's experimental. Something dealing with, like, light, water, like, you know, any element. And just stand out in rainstorms. Because everyone knows if you get shocked while wearing a suit that controls a fundamental force of nature, you become that. But, uh, but yeah, uh, anything else? No, I, I think that that's it. I love talking about Batrock's Brigade. So, um... I'm David Gallagher. I'm the uh, author. You can find me. Uh, I'm the author of like the um, Ghost Recon uh, Breakpoint uh, as well, which you can buy um, on October 4th, along with Green Lantern Core Convergence and the Dark Star and the Winter Guard trade paperback from Marvel. And you can look me up on Twitter. I'm at David Gallagher. My name is Jesse. I have another podcast called Creepy Critters, where I talk about cryptids and someone lore detail. I also have a podcast called Alphabet Fly. I'm sorry, this is that one. Uh, I also have a podcast called um, Limited Theories, where I talk about limited Marvel series, uh, issue by issue, with uh, my friend Rob Trevino from Interrupted Tales and Parapsychology. This has been Alphabet Flight, and please listen to Prince Namor, and don't toot that horn. Bye! (laughs) 